Hey everybody, it's Tiffany Bova. Welcome to this edition of What's Next on LinkedIn Live. I felt like today that we needed a little chicken soup for the soul, plus all kinds of information about questions we need to ask. So without further ado, I am going to welcome my guest to the show. Hello, you too. When I reached out, I reached out to Mark and I said, I feel like I need some chicken soup for the soul. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what I felt like. And I had no idea until I started doing this for this interview, for this conversation was, my God, you've sold, hold on, hold on, for the 500 million books. Okay, one more time. <laughs> 500 million books. So, you know, I go, wow, I was feeling pretty good about myself. Had a good year, had a bestseller. And then I joke now that like my entire sales in my book was a rounding error for you on a day, I feel. <laughs> wow, Mark, that is amazing. Welcome, welcome to What's Next. Tiffany, we're honored and thankful to be here and, and we're more than blessed that we've so done so well. But the deal is that we're consistent, persistent, insistent, and disciplined about uh, our habits of writing and selling and marketing, and we even teach how to do that. So we're very thankful. We're beyond that. Well, yes. And of course, your better half, Crystal, who's sitting right next to you, right? You two have just recently written a book called Ask. Yes. And I'm going to put that image right up on the top right for everybody so you can see. There you go. Uh, and I, I just really thought that both books are just what we needed today. That's how I felt. So if you don't mind, I'd love to start with Chicken Soup for the Soul, Mark. We've got questions that are going to be coming in, but you know, I'm going to ground us in sort of that conversation. And then the second half of this, I really want to dig into ask because, because I've had so many conversations with people about the power of asking. Like <laughs> You know, it's three little letters, one little word, lots of power. So let's start with Chicken Soup for the Soul. So Mark, tell us kind of how that all came about and then the journey. It's been almost, what is it, 23 years now? Yeah. So what happened is, it, uh, you know, I started out as a speaker and people kept saying, gosh, you're the best storyteller we've ever heard. Do you have it in a book? So I, the first, when I was bankrupt in 1974, I, um, was making about 75 grand a year. And then all of a sudden somebody said, do a book. So I did a book called Stand Up, Speak Out and Win. I uh, sold that year 20,000 copies at $10 each. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. That's, <laughs> That's how, how I feel. That's I, how I feel. I, I never said it was a New York Times or a national bestseller. I said it is my bestseller. <laughs> and, it worked and then Jack and I met, we were talking to a group of 6,000 people separately. We didn't know each other yet. He talked first. I watched him and then he came up and said, do you know me? And I said, yeah, you're Dr. Jack Canfield. You wrote how to 101 ways to build self-esteem in class. And he said, can I take you to dinner? We became best friends. I showed him how to do short stories. We decided to do the book Chicken Soup and we used all the principles of asking. We we had a wrong title on it, so we went to our respective houses. He was in Santa Barbara, I was in Newport. Now we're in Scottsdale, Arizona, but 400 times we said mega best-selling title, mega best-selling title, mega best-selling title, and all of a sudden, boomo, Jack calls me at 2.30 in the morning, wakes up everybody. Back then, we didn't have cell phones, uh, and uh, it was a connected, tethered line, and said, chicken soup, I said, for the soul, and, and we knew it, but 144 publishers all said, hit the road, Jack. And I said, it's okay if you don't like him, but I'm a nice guy. <laughs> Jack's great. But that's the point. And we just have had great fun. And, and uh, after all of them turned us down, we decided to 
do media every day. And, and one last thing is that what I did different than anybody ever, because I'm a marketing sales guy, I think you and I are sort of in that same category with Crystal and I, is that I interviewed the 101 best fiction and nonfiction authors. I didn't ask how to write. I know how to write. I said, how do you market? And then I systematized it. I did a while of a business plan and said, this is what we're going to do. And ultimately, we'll sell a billion books, which, you know, I'm going to live to be 127 with options for a new, so I think I can pull it off. <laughs> there you go. Well, what I love, there's a couple of things I love about that story. But the, the, the one I find very fascinating is 144 people told you no. And that's very similar to J.K. Rowling's. I mean, her story, who sold a lot of books as well, right? She was turned down over and over and over again. And, and I feel like these books that really crack open markets and people and humans and conversations are not always the books that immediately get the yes. Why do you think that is? Two parts. One, because you live in California. One of the guys we interviewed for Ask is Peter Guber with 50 Academy Awards for Rocky and Batman and Rain Man and on and on. And now he owns a little company called the Golden State Warriors and the Dodgers. Uh, but Peter said, look, Mark, you're so dyslexic. Now, I'm not dyslexic, no, but he said, when you are told no, you think it's on and you keep going. <laughs> I like that. I think I'm going to borrow it. That My you know is on. Go. Yeah. yeah. So, so I've been selling since I was nine years old. I was a top greeting card salesman. Not that I haven't had lots of rejection and crashes and burns, but um, – you know, I just decided to go on. I we And what we're doing with Ask is we're saying, hey, look, we're all in adversity. Eight billion of us are in lockdown, which is is disturbing, demoralizing. We can talk about that. But I say we, and Crystal and I say, we take adversity, turn it into advantage. We take uh, adversity and we turn it into opportunity. And so the yin and yang that we're in the biggest crisis ever unequivocally for eight billion of us. That means we got the biggest opportunity. And that's what we're saying. If you learn that one three-letter powerful word, A-S-K, we're saying you can become a master asker and you can get to your destiny. And and I, I agree. And and I think, you know, when when you talk about chicken soup for the soul, um, why do you think it's been so timeless? You know, that is just it's if you say that title to people, people immediately go, yep know the book, I read it, you know, and then it was, well, if it can apply here, it can be chicken soup for the, right? I mean, there's chicken yeah, soup for right. everything, right? But, but we did that. We almost ended it, you know, because if you're going to do something, I'd read the books by Spielberg and Lucas, and they said, don't do anything you can't prequel and sequel, and the Star Wars is certainly that. So, uh, but back to your uh, question, Chicken soup is given by mom or grandma when you're sick to get well. And we thought the soul of America was sick, but the soul of the whole world is sick. And then number two is that we had seven models. First of all, it had to cause instantaneous behavioral change. Number two, it had to cause goosebumps, God bumps, or chili bumps. So it was a very narrow path that we were on. So we'd read a thousand stories before we came one, and everyone read it. And then we did feedback as a breakfast of champions and like, Chicken Soup of the Teenage Soul, our publisher said, you've missed at this time. I got teenagers that buy CDs, constantly get them clothes, and ain't buying your damn book. I sent my kids to the mall and with 50 bucks, and they came back. And I said, where's the 50? And they said, the mall ate it. <laughs> <laughs> we did it, and we tested it at Nickelodeon to 12,000 kids electronically when I was just beginning. I think it was 1994 or 5. And, and the book, we sold 19 million the first year because 
it was so, it, it it resonated at a heart level. Even as stories Jack and I personally wrote, some of them got evicted by the kids, and that was okay because we went on the highest quality of the story, not just because we loved it or it worked for us. It had to work for that age group, or and that's the dimensionality that you've said. We've done nurses' soul, we've done every chicken soup or college soul because I want kids to stay in college if colleges open up again. Well, I mean, we've got people from all over the world listening here today. We've got people from Boston and Jacksonville and Sweden, even. We've got Newport, California. We've got Mexico. We've got uh, Canada, the UK. So please put your questions uh, below and I'll get them to Mark and Crystal because this is a conversation for all of us uh, to have. Yes. Um, and so, Crystal, let, let me just you know ask you. Uh, I know you're now married to Mark, but that's <laughs> right. We have a lot of fun. That's great. And and so when you, I went, well, I'm going to, I don't know the answer to this question. So if you, you know, but had you read the book? Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Just want to like, okay. All right. And <laughs> it's funny because um, I was actually, well, I'm, I'm a um, transformational life coach, certified hypnotherapist. And I was working on my own book called Pure Thoughts for Pure Results based on the results my clients were having. And so Mark, you know, by the time we met, he was really out there with his books, but he had other books too. He had, you know, the one minute millionaire and books like that, that I was aware of. But um, my mother got an email one day and said, you know, you need to go to this event. It's called Author 101. And she goes, well, there'll be publishers and publicists. And Mark took your hands and I'll be there. And I was like, oh, woo, mom. Okay. Well, she said, you know, I'll watch the kids. I was newly divorced. She's like, you just go. I'll watch the kids. And I was like making excuses. I'm like, I, I'm too busy. I can't go. So, you know, a day and a half late, I said, I'll call Rick Frischman and see if there's any room. I'm thinking he's going to say, no, we're full. He's like, yeah, Chris he called me right back. He said, come over. We'd love to have you. So I like, I guess I'm going to this event. It has a, a life of its own. And Mark and I met at the VIP room. And it was so funny because I was not even drinking. I'm like, I'm really going to tell my story and, you know, and, and about talk about my work. I'm not drinking. And this woman, ironically, standing next to me, whacked a whole glass of red wine on my white pants. And I was talking, well, I was talking to a speaking coach in the, in the VIP room. And uh, Mark must have been looking my way because he was surrounded by a little entourage of people and he kind of breaks out of his crowd. He comes rushing over to me and he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I think I know where the club soda is. <laughs> Follow me. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so that's how we met. And, you know, of course I was familiar with his work, but I, I really didn't understand the scope of Mark Victor Hansen, you know, the breadth and depth of like his genius and brilliance. And so it was really fun. We just had this amazing mind melt, this connection. Um, we, you know, he said, I'd really let, I told him what I he was asking me, what, you know, what I was doing. I told him about my work and the, the transformations people were having and how incredible it was. People who'd been, you know, on psychological counseling for their ent entire lives were, you know, after five sessions were free. And he goes, I just feel like you could help so many women. Can we go have dinner? I'm starving but we need to leave the property. And uh, I said, sure, I'm hungry too, I haven't eaten. So we did that. And uh, yeah, it was- The rest it, is history. The rest is history. Can I add one part? Uh-oh, yep. So, so we get to a Hollywood <laughs> restaurant, not far from where you live probably, and there's like 80 people in line and a hundred dollar bill won't get me in and I really want to eat there. And so I say, well, let's just go up to the counter. And the maitre d' is looking at her and because of her crudenessness it just oh. emanates out. He says, okay, I give up. Who is she? And I mentally, he's going through People Magazine as fast as he oh. could and can't figure out who she is. And I said, the question, you don't recognize her? 
<laughs> he's really dumbfounded. He's going, oh, damn, this is somebody important. He says, okay, I give up. Who is she? I said, she, no, we're both Danish. I said, she's a queen of Denmark. He started and said, no, she's not. And then all of a sudden, oh, God, she is. Who are you? I said, who travels with a queen? Oh, boy. With a queen. That fast, we had a table, and I was goofing around. But I'm telling you, what you said, that three-letter word, has intrinsic, unlimited, effervescent power to do things. And, and obviously, you know, we fell indefatigably in love. And we're not only soulmates, but we're twin flames, which is the highest uh, rel level you could go to, I think. Now, if somebody else got a higher level out there, type it in. Type I'll it learn. In. <laughs> there you go. Well, what a fantastic story. You know, it's like I remember, uh, you know, a lawyer telling me one time when you're in, in trial, never ask a question you don't know the answer to. And I was like, OK, I'm just going to ask it anyway. But what a fantastic, fantastic story. And, and, a, and a great segue into ask, because I think uh, there's so many times I know uh, in my personal life, in my career where. I have not been comfortable or confident enough to ask the question. Uh, and then when I ask it, it wasn't as painful as I thought it was going to be. Right. And the result even sometimes was better than I expected. And so the power of that, I would love to, let me start with you, Crystal. Like, so when you started thinking about this, what, what was the aha for you to go? This is exactly what we need to do. Right. So one of the things we realized early on, Tiffany, when we started, you know, kicking around this idea, we were sort of like, what is the thing that would help people? So we said, you know, what is the difference between people who are massively successful and those people who keep falling short of their dreams? Because, it, you know, we've, met, we've had the privilege to meet so many amazing people and all of them, you know, are smart, really over endowed, over talented, more talent. And all of us have more talent than we'd probably use in a lifetime if we were really to tap into that talent. But what is that thing, that tool, that mechanism that would help all of us do that? do a better job of that. And what it came to down to for Mark and I is the ability to ask as we examined our own lives and then started examining the lives of all these incredible people that we started interviewing for this book. We said, you know, they all have this thing in common. They're master askers. And they've been able to continue taking this asking journey, even when it's hard. They just re keep revectoring re their lives by asking the next question, finding the next solution, illumination, or plan. And, and then moving forward to the next step. But what you said, Tiffany, is also true, that most people have these pro this problem asking. And so we call it the seven roadblocks to asking. And we really need to identify those and go through the process of releasing those. Um, the biggest one is unworthiness. You know, it's just conditioning from our childhood that tells us we don't deserve better. Um, there's naivete, which means we're just unaware of what's possible because we grew up with limited possibilities. I tell the, the story in the book about, you know, this woman we hired to take care of our children, Imelda. She was from the Philippines um, when the kids were little, and she used to come and cook these amazing dishes for us. And um, she brought this fruit one day, cut it up, and said, Crystal, try this. It's so good. And I'm looking at this juicy orange fruit. I try it. I go, this is so amazing. It's the best fruit I've ever had. What is it? And she goes, it's a mango. And I go, oh, you know, how come I've never had a mango? I was like, where did you get these? I'm thinking she's going to tell me she imported them for the Philippines. She goes, at the grocery store. <laughs> I've been passing these by at the grocery store, not even knowing they're there. What else am I passing by in life? What, what people am I passing by? What opportunities? What things? Just because I'm naive, I don't know about it. So I'm just passing it by. And that's one of the roadblocks 
to asking is just that we all have, you know, certain naivete about, about certain things. Um, doubt is the other one, just that, you know, just all, so many of us, because of things that have happened in our life, just doubt that the outcome is going to be turn out right. So we just don't ask or, and the next one is excuses, which is just kind of stubbornness. You know, those people who are so stubborn, no matter what, they're not going to ask because they can figure it out themselves and they will suffer and they will go on with their life and never ask anything and things will never get better. Um, the next one is fear, which is just, you know, terror of rejection. And so many people have that. And it comes down to, I think human beings need just to, that there are need to be loved. And so when we're rejected, it's almost like some people feel like they're with someone's withdrawing love or approval. So it's just something that we have to get over. And then pattern paralysis is another one. We just keep repeating the same disappointing patterns and never really checking in, never asking why they're not working, what's not working, what's working, how we could do better. Um, and then the last one is disconnection. And for me, that's kind of the saddest one because it's really about disconnecting from the dreams in our hearts, which is really a sad way to be because no one should disconnect from the dreams in their hearts. All of us have tremendous potential to live an amazing life and, and to achieve things, you know, and you have to decide the size and scope of those, but to disconnect is just the saddest thing. So we want to get everybody asking those questions, looking at those roadblocks, reading the stories and creating the first thing, step is just awareness because awareness is like a giant gate that opens and says, okay, now I'm aware I can walk through this. I can take this path. Well, so those seven are so powerful, like in and of themselves, we could spend days on each. Right? <laughs> yes. <clears throat> but we're in such an unusual time, you know, it, from a global perspective, as Mark said at the beginning, this is not just a particular industry or sector or country or city or town. This is us as human beings. Uh, and so what do you think questions people should be asking right now during these really difficult times? Yeah, there's not one fear. There's three and maybe four. The First of all, you got the COVID-19, which is fearful. But there's some things you could do about it if you're studying it. Uh, number two, there's a fear of fear, which is what asking does. Asking uh, does two things. It, Crystal is saying it, it bursts into illumination so you can get out of asking and you go back to hope and faith and trust and optimism. And then, and then you know, there, there's if it's a biological warfare and then there's a media fear. So that's that part. And then the story we have that sort of covers this for everybody and it has a critical part in the middle is we did an interview with a brilliant guy that's pure wisdom as far as I'm concerned, Jim Stovall. And, and Stovall, 19 years old, he's ready to be, he's prepared, he's strong, he's fast, he's going to be an NFL player and they recruit him and the doctor checks it out and says, kid, I'm sorry, but in six months you're going to be permanently and forever blind. Parents send him to the blind meeting because he's so negative and uptight. And in the little room, he was incarcerated in nine by 12. He had a telephone, a television and a radio. And he sits next to a lady at the blind meeting who's also blind, a stenographer for a law firm and says, in the old days, I loved to watch TV and I wish somebody would narrate somebody throwing a right hook. The question that pivots all of us is this question it says, wait a second, we're somebody. Why can't we do something? And long story, very short, they created narrative TV, 14 million people a day watch, pay $10 a month for narrative TV, blind TV. Now, that'd be enough if that's all they did. I get his book and he says, will you endorse this when I'm selling 15 million books a year? And I go, 
oh my gosh. But I was told it was going to be the best book I ever read, and it was phenomenal. It's called The Ultimate Gift. I loved it so much. I wrote on the back cover and then the forward, this has got to become a movie. Stovall ends up making a, a super movie. The book goes superstar number one. And then now in our story, he says, now I write books that I can't read. And I make movies that I can't watch. Wow. And made $100 million. The point is, is that everybody's going to have adversity. We're all going to have pulsations of vicissitudes of life. It hits all of us, not some of us. And what we have to do is say, what am I going to do about it to fix it? And if I can fix it, you know, what we're saying is that the, the triangle of purpose that we're talking about is what is it you love to do? What is it you're best at? And have 10 of your friends tell you what you're best at because most of us can't even see ourselves. Your success, your, your talent, she was saying, is hidden in plain sight. Number two, what do you really want to do? And then number three is what will you get paid substantially for? I mean, Jim could never have predicted not being a football player because that was his dream. But then he ends up being a colossal writer, a colossal movie maker, and he can't even see. Wow. I mean, so powerful. But I mean, I think that's always been your style, right? Tell people stories so that you can inspire other people. You know, we're uh, we're in the middle of not only the pandemic, right? You were saying we've got three fears or maybe four fears going on, but we also have an entire movement in the United States around Black Lives Matter. Uh, and we're doing some work at Salesforce that's been very interesting about helping to educate non-Blacks to ask and listen. Ask and listen, um, because I think uh, the thing about asking is you have to be willing to listen. Totally. <laughs> because if you ask and then you answer the question and I'm already formulating my answer to your answer, then I'm not listening, right? And so I think the power behind ask would be listen. So so Mark, I know you'd said there you were, you were at your second, so I'm guessing the third would have been Black Lives Matter. And what, what potentially was your fourth? Was there a fourth? Yeah, the media right now, the media is crushing it negativity. And, and like, because I'm scholarly and all the wealth writers, because I came out of poverty, is it is it Napoleon Hill wrote all the fireside chats for FDR, like you have nothing to fear, but fear itself, confront your fears and dis disappear. And what he did was he brought in all the ministers and said, look, from now on, the depression happened. It's now 1937 when he did this. He said, from now on, you can only do positive stories in church. We're going to turn around at a grassroots level. And, and fortuitously, we have a guy that's got the 85,000 biggest pastors in America in a thing. And he's just come to us and said, hey, would we help turn that around? And I told him the story I just told you in a little more length. And he said, holy cow, I didn't know that. But I, I suspected that. And God told me to call you guys. And I said... <laughs> You know, because I, I really believe we're in a spiritual universe just having a physical body experience. And, and you know, there's some people out there that aren't going to agree with that. But I, I see you're nodding your head. No, I'm saying, you know, listen, I'll take it. I hear it. I'm in. Right. Sure. <laughs> right on. Yeah, because and Salesforce is doing a beyond brilliant job. I and mean, you got a, a tremendous leader who listens to my peers. So um, I'm very thankful. I, I, I want to meet him sometime. Maybe we can make that happen. Maybe yeah, we can I bet we could. <laughs> so Tiffany, I wanted to mention, so we there there are three channels through which we, you need to ask, and we'd say in the book, and that is ask okay. yourself. Each one is equally important. Ask yourself, ask others, and ask God. And it seems like so with all the people that we studied and talked to, if you if you sort of balance that asking journey am, amongst those channels, you will find your life start to move forward. So the asking yourself part is really, you know, sort of that reflective questioning, asking What's working in your life? What's not working? What do I need to do better? How do I need to see things differently? 
you know, and, and then the ask your other ask others part is what you were just talking about. And it's interesting because we about listening to other people, but with it, we did a lot of research for the book and the studies show that people have a lot of trepidation about asking others, either asking people for something um, they think that they're going to be appear to be pushy or obnoxious or demanding or just asking for information that they'll they're, they'll be nosy, they'll be considered nosy or uninformed or ignorant. And the studies show the opposite is true. If you are in a situation where you're with a work colleague or in a relationship, if you the more you ask questions, the more you're perceived as to be a likable person. And so it's so important for us to remember that in everything we're doing in business relationships, in sales, you know, in in uh, romantic relationships, instead of coming in with this agenda, like you were saying, like, okay, this is what I believe. And I want you to understand me and I'm this and I'm not. And I have all this information. I'm going to do Right. It's, that conversation. <laughs> it's just really about becoming a better asker. Like, tell me about you. And then when somebody responds that, you know, listen to what they respond and ask deeper, more probing questions. Oh, well, that's interesting. And, you know, and develop, develop rapport with that person by, by going deeper. And we say that asking is the tool that bridges human understanding. It really is. So I'm glad you brought that up. And, and the truth of it is the studies show that the more you ask, the more likable you are. So whether it's business relationships, you know, personal romantic relationships and in the dating one, Harvard did one on dating specifically for asking. And the person who asked, you know, the people who asked more questions were more likely to get a second date. So it's that same thing, you know, don't try to be interesting, be interested. Right. I knew you were going to say that. So, you know, I, I, you know, in sort of full transparency, because, you know, this is the kind of conversation we're having. I can tell you in the last, well, since, you know, the lockdown, kind of March, you know, 10th, 12th, 13th ish, right? Yeah. 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 Um, it was right on my birthday. Like lockdown happened right on my birthday. And I was Happy like, birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. You know, one, I, next year I'm going to celebrate it twice. That's what You're what Pisces. I'm You're Pisces. I am a, I am a little fishy. My yeah. daughters are Pisces. <laughs> we are good people. We are good people. But I can tell you in the last, you know, four months, we're coming up on four months. Right. I've asked more questions of myself, yep. of my friends, of my inner circle, of my family about really needy questions than I ever have. And, and it could be because of the four things we're dealing with, Mark, right, that you said it's sort of this perfect storm of things that are going on that you can't get away from, right? I mean, there's, there's no hiding from what's happening. <clears throat> and so What's been fascinating is to learn so much about people in my inner circle that I never knew. Yeah. Because I'd never asked the question. The second thing I'd say is asking questions about uh, everything in Black Lives Matter, how much I absolutely did not know. I just, I just didn't know. And, you know, that's, that's a big thing to say. It wasn't that I didn't care. It's not that I was insensitive. It's not, it's not that I was, I just did not know. And, you know, the power of me asking and learning over the last, you know, four months on questions that are really big life questions, like not like, hey, where are you going to lunch? Like, right. you know, hey, what do you think about what's going on? And it's just like, oh, you know, people want to, 
share and and but I think what I've really had to practice is listening because it's just not a skill. I mean, I have to listen for work, right? Like all the time. But right. in my personal life, like I feel like I didn't listen as much as I listened in my professional life. So it's been this really interesting journey for me over the last four months. Right. No, I think it's so true. And it's so important to listen and not make anybody wrong about their position because I think most of us, you know, while it, the media paints us as being so far apart, I think if you put everybody in a big room together and really shared hearts, like we all want essentially the same thing. We all, you know, have hearts. We love our families. We want good opportunities. We want to be honored and respected. You know, all of these things, we're not so far apart. So it's just so important to like to listen and not make somebody else wrong and and be angry about it. Like, let me listen with the goal of really understanding each other. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think uh, there's so much power to be said for it. And, and you know, I, I, I used to do this talk track and keynote calling building your confidence muscle. Yeah. And so lots of people would come up to me and say, you know, it's like going to the gym. You, when you're building your confidence muscle, you get sore on the first day. You don't want to go back. It's a terrible experience. Yeah. You know, for anyone who's gone to the gym, you get what I mean, right? Yeah. And, uh, and they would come up and say, oh, I want to do what you do. I want to be an author. I want to be a speaker. I want to be, you know, whatever it might be, right? Um, and I found that the confidence it took to someone to come up and ask me that question it was very important for me to respect and honor how maybe insecure or nervous or, you know, uh, unsure of themselves they were when they asked that yeah. when someone comes and asks you questions that you need to, especially right now, if it's for help or yeah. you feel like they're struggling, like you have to take that ask with so much care and tenderness and, not shut them down because I feel like if you, I'd love your opinion. I feel like if someone asks you and you shut them down, that they're less likely to ask someone else. Not only that, they, you didn't serve them. And, and right. The, the big guy said the greatest amongst you is servant of all. And, my, and uh, Martin Luther King, I got to do a speech at his church on his birthday a long time ago, 10 years ago. And, and what he said, everybody can be great because everybody can serve greatly and and that that and serving greatly is really what you're saying is not listening with your outer ear and, and being blase but you're saying correctly listen with your inner ear and and what crystal was saying is you got to go to the heart and then what you're saying is it building self-confidence and self-confidence comes out of action so back when i went bankrupt in 1974 i lost two million dollars in one day i had to check a book out of the library how to go bankrupt by yourself it was literally my best worst experience so have you done chicken chicken soup for bankruptcy yet just it, 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 two, two parts to that number one we couldn't find that market just like i can't my parents were immigrants but you can't find the the immigrants because they're disparate and everywhere and and uh but we've got in this book we interviewed the world's top bankruptcy attorney. This guy only takes bankruptcies 300 million up. And, and I'm sorry to tell Bill LaBelle is a great guy you want to interview someday. He's a genius. He's gentle. He's soft. And he brings in the wife when the guy comes in because he said, anybody that's a billionaire that comes to me has got an ego bigger than a house. And, and he's saying, how could I be going bankrupt? I got a, I'm worth 100 million. He said, but you signed on a billion dollar loan. And you owe the whole loan. And and he tells the wife, 
the husband is going to be beating on, usually it's the man, the husband's going to be beating on you because he's got to transfer all of his pain, anger, angst, and, and stuff. It's not, it has nothing to do with you. So if you can put up a shield and handle it, you're going to be much better. And then he asks them all the questions because this guy's, I can tell you one of the guys, because I won the Horatio Algier Award and I loved Carl Karcher a lot. He lost everything at the end. And it just, it breaks your heart, you know, because the guy spent his whole life and now he's 80 years old and, and made some bad decisions. And any one of us can make, uh, none of us knew this was going to happen as an example. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I just want to say that I am so grateful for the both of you for spending time with all of us today on this amazing conversation. I, I could keep it going forever, unfortunately. You know, I try to be respectful of everybody's time because, you know, we can make more money, but we can't make more time. So we want to be respectful of everybody's time. But, you know, if you had parting words, I'm going to ask each of you, you know, in this in this in this time where we are all being touched personally and professionally. Mark, what would what would you leave as your parting words to those who are are joining I, us today? It, it sounds it is not self-interest, but I'm going to ask you all to get a copy of Ask. Go to Amazon.com, get a copy of Ask, The Bridge from Your Dreams, Your Destiny, and then go to AskTheBookClub.com. We are creating the world's biggest book club where you can ask anything you want of Chris Lamar, and we're going to do everything we can to answer it from our inner ear, so to speak, because I was just sharing it with you, because we think people don't have a place to go right now. And, and they need somebody with a little bit of wisdom, some insight, some illumination, somewhere that can help. Because what I'm teaching and something I'm writing right now is that if a house is a 24-story building and illumination is at, at 24 and you get to self-realization, all that, all of us are somewhere in that house. And the goal, what you said, to build self-confidence, your confidence muscles decline to be full use of your talent, your ability, your skill, which Crystal and I believe is unlimited. And what we want to do is wake up that gorgeous, enormous resource. Go ahead, hon. Right. We just want to be a resource to everybody. So join us for the book club. There's no cost. It's just if, if you buy the book, we want you to get the most out of it. It's, we're going to be doing it once a month. Askthebookclub.com. Um, I just want to say to people, you know, as a transformational life coach, hypnotherapist, what I've learned through working with so many people is, and I want everyone to realize this, while it seems like all of this stuff is going on around us and it's crazy and it's scary and it's uncertain, your life experience is truly created from the inside out. So if you can shut down the negativity and the noise sometimes and just go to that quiet space inside, we spend like the first hour of the morning, like in meditation and prayer, just take that time with yourself and ask yourself these important questions, reflect on your life. This is a good time to sort for all of us to sort of reset, reboot, really ask what's important and how, how we see our future. How do we see ourselves in the future? And understand that the more you can set a positive tone for your life and start to get a clear vision inside, you will start to create that for your life. And you really do create your life experience from the inside out. It's not coming at you. It's coming from you. So that's what I'd like to leave everyone with. Well, I am blessed to now say that I know you both. Uh, I, I I feel like it was such an honor and uh, that you've got such great comments in the feed. And, and just so you know, uh, Mark, you ask and Fred Diamond bought. He said, just purchase mine. So give a shout out to Fred for buying it right away. Uh, and for everybody else who has said that this has just been so valuable uh, to them. I think it was the perfect time to have the two of you on. So thank you so much for, for being here today and joining us. Stay safe. Enjoy Phoenix. 
Uh, and I'll look forward to speaking with you both again soon. Yes, look thank, you, to thank you, Tiffany. All right, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.